This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey everybody, Carm Capriato, Town Hall Academy. Good to see you here. Carolyn, I don't know if you noticed that there was a cameo, me and you there. At, I think that was Vision last year. How cool is that? Very cool. Glad to have you here. It's Town Hall Academy 353. We're talking about Earthling training. Carolyn, I think it was this past spring, we were together in the Vision studio and you were telling us about all these really cool things you're doing and now you're actually doing you were kind of, if you will, formulating and getting everything together with Earthling Automotive and Earthling Training, and everything is launched and it's going. I have to say, someone recently reached out to me and says, Carm, we need some EV training out here on the um, East Coast. And I says, get on an airplane and get out to San Fran. You can get some really good stuff, and we're going to talk about that. But before we jump into all of that, please, a great high five to all of our great sponsors of So Long. Shopware, can you imagine that? Hey, don't wait for month-end surprises when it comes to your numbers. Stay on top with advanced analytics from Shopware. A compare metrics anytime. Eliminate guesswork and make data-driven decisions for your automotive business. Talk to my friends. Explore at shopware.com. And trust in the aftermarket supplier that makes the parts your cars are born with. With over 100 years of OE heritage, Delphi Technologies Quality Parts gives you peace of mind. Learn more at DelphiAftermarket.com. And so I'm with Carolyn Cocolette, President, CEO of Earthling Training, Earthling Automotive, and Shopware. Hey, 10 years of Shopware, I hear, huh? That's right. And your anniversary. Jack Rosebro is here, Head of Training at Earthling Automotive. I got to jump a little bit into Jack's resume. Automotive instructor and curriculum developer specializing in hybrid electric and fuel cell vehicles. He's written award-winning curricula on a national scale and has developed hybrid and EV programs for multiple colleges. I see why you hired him, Carolyn. Presented seminars for the Society of Automotive Engineers, SAE, the Institute for Electrical and Electronic Engineers, and the National Aeronautics and Space Administration, NASA. Are you kidding me? Most recently, he's taught electrical, hybrid, and fuel cell courses for Toyota Motor North America and researched EV and ADAS projects there, too. Wow, that's a big, heavy suitcase of uh, experience that you have, sir. It's been fun. I see why you're here. Carolyn only brings on the best in her team. Carolyn, you had this beautiful building. You probably already thought of what to do with it before you even decided to move to another location for Lush's Garage, which is now in our past. How did this entire dream of being an EV training specialist happen? We had this watershed moment with the old garage and acknowledging that if we were going to adapt, which we knew we needed to do, adapt or die, when was the right time to do it? And the sort of flashpoint was realizing that we now had enough critical mass in market with electric vehicles to put us in, a, in the same position we were in when we started Luscious with hybrids back in 2007. So it's basically the same playbook all over again, but this time with EVs, not just with hybrids. However, when we look at the journey that we took with hybrids, there was so much learning, so much exploration, so much discovery along the way. And Luscious really was sort of a, a proving ground for how to fix those cars, not just the regular daily drivers, but even commercial applications like taxi cabs, on which we learned so much. But one of the people that really made a lot of that, most of that learning possible was Jack. Jack was involved as independent aftermarket trainer with his company, Perfect Sky. We had a very close partnership. We used to joke that our night shift with taxi cabs was 
the Perfect Sky R&D facility. And anyway, when we were looking forward at what we were going to do with electric, specifically with Tesla, we said, okay, we have so much learning to do. We don't even just have like an adaptation of a platform like a Prius from a regular Toyota, but we have an entirely new manufacturer who's really changed the game. And how are we going to ever be able to really master that technology without dedicated resources in-house? And then ultimately, how can we try to create multipliers in that learning above and beyond just our own walls? And so we acknowledge that we were going to need that training for ourselves, but also we wanted to share that training with others. And we saw a big opportunity there. And so Jack and I have stayed friends for the entire journey. And he had since sort of hung up his spurs for the aftermarket and had gone and worked for Toyota for four and a half years. And in a similar way, what was the right time to sort of shift back into the aftermarket, shift back to working with the sort of independent service providers again, when was the right time for him to do that? I think he can tell the story, but I was able to pull him out of Toyota and come back to us and be a part of this big, big dream. So I love the story. It's like you have this cauldron of influencers and friends and people you've worked with. Well, it includes you, Carm. Well, it does, Carolyn. Thank you. But Jack, you guys are working together. You went and did your thing. And then you would you pick up your phone and says, hey, listen, I got a building. We're going to do EV training. Are you in? I mean, is that how this whole thing happened? Jack, tell the story, your side. <laughs> well, I've always had a soft spot for the aftermarket because I grew up in a shop. My family's had a shop for uh, starting this year. It's been uh, 90 years. Same shop, same piece of dirt, all that stuff. As much as I loved uh, working at Toyota, and they were very good to me, I sensed that things were happening outside of Toyota in the EV space. All these car companies, including some very big ones, all of them actually, are trying to learn how to make EVs and how to make them good. And so there's room for a lot of not thinking the normal way, a lot of clean slate thinking. And to be honest with you, nobody does clean slate thinking more than Tesla. And honestly, when I was at Toyota, I didn't have a lot of time to see what was going on in the aftermarket and the car business period outside of Toyota. But once I jumped over the first day that I was working for Carolyn, I said to myself, well, I have to figure out what are the cars that we're going to see in four or five years. And it was already obvious to me, especially being in, in the Bay Area, that it was going to be Tesla. So I looked up the numbers. And as of this year, Tesla has outsold Camry. The Model 3 has outsold the Camry as the biggest sedan, highest selling sedan. And I think Toyota had that for 23 years. Same with the Model Y. The Model Y outsold the RAV4 SUV. I could just see from driving down the road how many of these cars were. And it intrigued me because not only were this was this during a pandemic, but these cars were more expensive than other cars. And yet they were selling at that high of a rate. I quickly found that driving a Tesla is not like driving another car and that there's two pillars of Toyota's corporate mission statement. And one of the pillars is continuous improvement. And Tesla certainly does continuous improvement, but in a way that's very different from Toyota. They're not afraid to break things. And the idea of, for example, a 2018 Model 3 versus a 2019, that's kind of not relevant, to be honest with you, because they're changing things so much. Matter of fact, that's one of the challenges of working on a Tesla is how much it changes, how fast it changes. I'll give you an example on the older Model S. If you look at the service manual, it says there's two generations of them. And as a technician or a shop owner, by knowing there's different generations, you start to lock things down and figure out where to get the parts and what's different and what's the same. But if you go to the parts manual, you find out that there are three generations. If you go to the wiring diagram, you find out that there's 14 generations. And all of these are kind of independent of each other. 
that just really fascinated me. And I really ended up having some new respect for the product and where it's gone and where it's going. It sounds a whole lot great reasons why we need Carolyn and Jack, uh, at least see three versions of this and four of that and the constant change and the way that Tesla is outpacing Camry. Great logic to come up with in order to justify why we need EV training. And one of the things that I'm fascinated about, Jack, thank you so much for the basis on all of this, but you're having very small class sizes so that the learning is huge. Carolyn, was that you or Jack saying, hey, listen, there's just no way we can do this without max four in a class? Yeah, that's all Jack. And Jack really should share the learning. that This is actually an adaptation that came through his experience training through COVID, which is fascinating. So Jack, I'll let you share. Sure. I've always liked hands-on classes. I will do um, non-hands-on classes like at conferences and things because I get that there's a limitation there. And I've always wanted the classes to be somewhat small, eight, 10, things like that, which for our industry, that's small. Now, when I was at Toyota, we typically had about six to eight people in a class, and that worked well for us. And I felt very blessed that the powers that be were uh, supporting us in this mission. However, when COVID uh, started and we shut down, it was a while before Toyota was comfortable with us going back, just like it was with just about with many companies. And we had to come up with a plan that we could convince other people was a good plan to teach in person and minimize the amount of danger that we had there of exposure. Good thing that we had was we had a classroom and this classroom, if you set up four desks and one instructor's desks and you made the four desks, each one a little bit bigger than usual so you could have all the tools there, you could have everybody six feet apart. That way we were good when we were in the classroom, but most of the time we spent out in the lab and we took four identical cars, bugged them all the same way and then started teaching that way. And one of the things that I like, I'm a real big proponent of big screen TVs. Every student had a a, a scan tool and the scan tool was on a TV stand and you had about a 55 inch TV. There's also a big 77 inch TV for the instructor in case the instructor needs to call everybody over and say, here's what's going on. But as the class progressed where the students were getting more and more independence at the end, the instructor can stand in the middle of the class and start looking all around at the room and seeing where people are as they search wiring diagrams, things like that. What I could do is I could very easily see if people were getting lost, if people were getting frustrated, if people were in the wrong place but didn't know it, and then just keep the whole class on track. Let them have their own individual experience. Even having two people to a car is not always good because typically one person pushes forward and the other person is kind of reticent and they say, well, I'll take down the numbers. And that's not learning. That's absolutely not learning. And I'm just so grateful that Carolyn supports this because I saw the difference between teaching with four people and teaching with six. Now, if you told me before that there is much of a difference, I would have said, no, I I would have discounted it. But there is, and that's what I believe in. And so far, it's worked really well. He broke the code, Carolyn. It was that the instructor had to pay attention and the number's four, not six. And if the instructor is going to be the catalyst to get that transfer of knowledge, I'm sitting here blown away by this very easy, simple discovery. And it took COVID to make that happen. It's not a mystery in the sense that we learn by doing in this trade. Typically, that is in the service bay, right? Car rolls in, you haven't seen the problem before, and now you got to figure it out. And of course, when you take training, the idea is to give you the tools that you need, maybe some silver bullets, but certainly give you a leg up when that car rolls in the next time in the future. But we're still a business, we're a trade of continuous learning. 
there are always new things that you have to face and overcome. And in order, especially for folks to kind of have the confidence and also truly learn how to learn in this new paradigm with these new cars, especially a brand new auto manufacturer that has completely different service information, scan tool platform, et cetera, being able to challenge yourself to actually figure it out, learn and absorb that information is that's the threshold that has to be crossed for students. And to Jack's point, if you have a person that you're, if you're in a paired group working, it's very easy for the other person to potentially take the lead. And so the idea that this is really immersive experience for that individual to be able to cross that threshold and ultimately be able to say, yes, I I have figured out how to figure it out. That's what we want to send people home with back to their shops, including our own, because they're going to have to basically lean in and figure things out all of the time. And that's never going to end. And so that was a really big decision that we made early on, like if we're actually going to deliver the training that people need in this space, that we're going to have to set it up this way, because that's the only way we can be sure that they're actually getting that training. They're actually going to be able to absorb that and take that home. Tired of software solutions that don't get the job done? Well, Shopware is an auto repair shop management solution created by a shop owner for shop owners. With Shopware, you can digitally track jobs in real time, optimize parts pricing, and transform your business. Shopware unlocks your customer data and streamlines it for you. And with Shopware, time-consuming tasks like estimate writing can become automated. Now, you've got the data, so why not put it to work? You don't have time to write the same estimate over and over. Shopware also lets you run your business on the cloud and paper-free. Our exclusive tech app means your technicians can accept transfer and track jobs on their phones. They can spend more time under the hood and less time scrolling through emails or shuffling through paperwork. If you want to save money, save time, and make your customers happy, try Shopware today. Schedule a free demonstration at GetShopware.com to see Shopware in action. As the trusted aftermarket brand for over 100 years, Delphi Technologies is by your side for every step of the repair process. The Delphi journey doesn't stop once the parts are ordered. Wherever your journey takes you, our quality parts gives you ease of mind when getting your customer's vehicle back on the road. Technicians know and trust Delphi as a quality brand. Each product undergoes rigorous testing to not only meet OE standards, but also enhance it in each opportunity. From 700 hours of spray testing on chassis components to fuel pumps tested for reliability up to 150,000 miles, And safety and reliability is paramount to help vehicles drive cleaner, better, and further throughout their lives. Delphi is also committed in developing products and services to prepare technicians for the future. Take advantage of how-to videos on YouTube, technician-led trainings, and our technical support line, and more. Turn to the aftermarket parts supplier with over 100 years of OEM trust and quality. Learn more about Delphi. Visit DelphiAftermarket.com. I remember recently hearing a Navy SEAL say that when you go to battle, when you got one, you got none. When you got two, you got one, meaning that they're always going to be teams. If you think about what Jack is doing, and this is a high five to you, Jack, the student in you, make it one. In service of what Carolyn's talking about, I think the overarching goal of our method is to teach people how to teach themselves, to be able to get them to manifest their own independence. Because... The technology is not going to slow down at all. 
we've all talked about the technology speeding up for years and years. Now it's about to take off because if um, EVs come to dominate passenger car sales in a way that's greater than, say, for example, hybrids, there's a lot of learning that people need to have and they need to be able to independently have the confidence to approach not something that has been taught before in the class, something that maybe some technology that came out after the instructor retired, because it's just going to be necessary to be flexible for people to be confident in themselves, confident in approaching the unknown. Jack, do you see our shops today having specialists just doing EVs? Absolutely. One of the advantages of us being specialists, and we're hybrid and EVs both, is that there's so much I can take from that shop and bring into the classroom because we have our own case studies. We have our own difficult cars. We're not just teaching this as the two really play off of each other, the shop and the training center. And on top of that, the kind of training that we offer to people outside of Earthling, it's the same training that we give to our people when we're bringing them up. Amazing stuff. So Tesla classes, hybrid EV classes, and I saw one other class listed here, electrical 101, 102, whatever it is. Jack, you probably believe just like I do and everyone else that you just can't get enough of electrical training. Yeah, that's kind of like my pet project. That was my most fun class because I would teach technicians at Toyota that were relatively young and somewhat shy. Some of them had never had an adult learning experience before. And they knew they were coming into this abstract, to learn about this abstract subject that a lot of people had trouble with at work. My goal was to put them at ease and make it fun. But one of the main reasons that I'm really pushing this is because I use the same kind of training for them, small classes, not multiple cars. But I believe that in many ways and in many places, the way electrical is taught, there is kind of a gap the abstract is explained, and then maybe we go to the car or to a circuit board or something like that. And that shift, something is often lost in that shift because we have to take the abstract and make it an abstract. Like, for example, somebody has a fault on a car. It has a short, it keeps blowing a fuse. What they need to learn to do is to, first of all, trust their tools. But second of all, when they can trust their tools and they can trust their process, then they can trust their data and just let the data lead them to it. Because in so many times with electrical problems, the problems, if the basics are understood, really are not that hard. Amazing basic electric. And I have talked to technicians that say, every once in a while, I refresh every two or three years just to keep me solid. Volt ohms and amps to me is been always kind of, I never understood it. And then when you start putting resistance and all that stuff, I so respect technicians that work on vehicles that know electric so well that they can dive in and find a problem in a short. And I don't mean in a short, I mean in a short time. Well, you bring up something else as well, and because you were talking about EVs before. The big advantage of this as well is I'm going to have a hard time really giving you a good education in hybrid and EVs and alternating current inductance and everything like that if you don't already have a foundation. I'm not doing this out of the goodness of my heart. I'm doing this to make sure that my future students have that base before we go into hybrids and EVs. So it can be simple. Wow. I mean, to me, that reeks of the word assessments. Are you making sure that the people that are going to invest in flying into Earthling in San Francisco have got basic electric down? It depends upon the class. With some, they don't necessarily have to be, but with most, they, they do have to have that background. Whenever anybody shows an interest in our classes, I get them on the phone and I say, tell me about your people. And we talk back and forth. And sometimes what I'll do is I'll send out an assessment for their technicians so that I can get an idea of where to put them. 
For example, I've got two hybrid EV classes right now. And if you looked at the outline for the class, they would look somewhat similar. And you'd think, well, are we repeating things? And we're not. What we're doing is we're teaching, we're going back to the same subjects, but we're at a higher level. If you, for example, are one of my students and you've never put a battery pack in or taken one out of a hybrid, I need to go through that with you to show you the safety of it and to get you very, very comfortable with it because it's a common thing to do in a hybrid and EV shop. By the same token, if you replaced 20 hybrid battery packs last year, we can skip that. What I can do is I can go a lot deeper into the uh, battery scan data, both what the manufacturer intends and what experience has found in our shop. Jack, are you having any fun? I'm having the ride of my life, baby. I could tell. Carm, it's interesting. We have our own motley crew of technicians, and some of those folks have come from Luscious, which had a lot of experience previously on hybrid specifically, and then some that have joined us since then. Some who are very junior, who are, you know, definitely, you know, on their first or second gig. And then there's some senior folks. And in all cases, we have needed to do an assessment. They all needed to get initial Tesla training. So Jack's Tesla One course is sort of the the foundation there. We also have folks that have previously worked at Tesla, including Darren Dinesh, who a lot of people have met when we've been out making presentations, but he's a former Tesla mechanic himself, six years at Tesla. So we have some help from that as well. And it's actually been very interesting working on getting the knowledge that he has locked between his ears over to Jack because Jack's obviously come primarily out of Toyota. And so, you know, trying to really pull all of those things together. Additionally, trying to package up the stuff that we've learned along the way from Luscious that has sort of been passed along in like the oral tradition where it's like, okay, I tell you a story and then you tell the next person a story and that's how we do it here as opposed to really making a legitimate process out of these different things. Anyway, how do you standardize that and how do you get that into the hands of your new employees? Or how do you continue to have a career development path for regardless of where a a person is in their, their own professional path? And so the opportunity to actually fold our own folks who literally range the gamut of different past experience both like maybe more junior, but had hybrid experience, people who are more senior and journeymen would have not worked on hybrids or EVs at all. We've run all of them through that in a lot of ways. Again, the intimacy of the classes allows Jack to sort of tailor what it is that person needs. It may be that their senior, their journey, they can tear cars apart pretty comfortably, but they actually are fairly insecure about their electrical diagnosis. So it's an opportunity to say, look, we're not going to treat you like you don't know how to fix cars here. But let's create a legitimate environment where you can say, yeah, no, I do need to strengthen up my diagnostic skills. We can get you there. That's been another part of the interesting like learnings along the way. It's not just learning about the cars, but learning about our own staff and how do we validate that the training is working, right? Because if we're putting our own folks through that and then we can go back and watch, for example, through the repair orders and Jack's got access to our shop through shopware and can review everybody's activities. And we actually track the different cases of cars that have misdiagnosis or go sideways or whatever we were wrong and and we had to make a shift. We track all of those and then see whether they have issues that are covered under our existing content and whether or not that issue essentially has been then trained by Jack to no longer occur. And then we can track and see whether that technician has that problem again or is able to Mm. make the right decisions the next time. And so we're basically eating our own dog food, if you will. And that's been really interesting. And I'm excited to be able to fold that into a conversation with other shop owners about how you think about coaching and nurturing your 
technical staff, because of course that's entirely the name of the game now, right? The folks who can pay and the folks who can retain the technicians are the ones that are still going to be left standing when all of this is over. Pay, retain, and train. We need to add that in there because to everything that you just said and that Jack has just said, it's changing so fast and it's coming at us like a hydrant. We're never going to keep up if we don't have a perpetual studency thing going. I love the idea of journalizing, Carolyn, which is what I think you just said. And Jack has access to that. So I imagine, Jack, those are kind of case studies that if you find fascinating, you could bring into the training. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. There's more than I can use, to be honest with you. And also, it's just so nice to be able to go on a shop where, and because they have an extensive notes feature, we teach every technician to be really good about having comprehensive notes and posting every freeze frame. I can get an idea of how things are going. If there's an issue, matter of fact, I was working on one just before this podcast, I can decide I can deal with this over the phone and give the person some guidance, or I need to go down there and show them how to use a new tool that they haven't used yet, or see if they have really learned this process that I taught them in the last class. So there's a lot of checks and balances, a good feedback loop. Ever take this on the road, or is there just too much equipment and vehicles that you need to have with you? I never say never, and I've been asked that, but it would be extremely, extremely difficult. I have taught around the country driving cars from class to class, and I hired somebody to drive a second car. The biggest disadvantage, the car always has to run at the end of the class. We have multiple cars. We have lots and lots of components. We need lifts. And if I go into somebody else's shop, I don't know what works and what doesn't. It's just necessary. But we believe that not only this type of training is necessary, we believe that this type of training is vastly needed as everything accelerates. We also believe there is a group of people out there who recognize that sometimes the best way to get some training is to get on a plane. You just landed right into my lap on that, that it seems to me that especially EV, Jack, and the Tesla class that you have seems you got to travel. If you want to get your money's worth, you want to learn a lot, you want it to impact your business, you got to get in a plane, get on a bus, get on a car, beam yourself over there. And you've got to be in the class. Don't expect that you're going to get the same quality of training when someone comes and puts up 80 PowerPoints. I just don't think, based on what I'm hearing you say, that there's a viable alternative. Maybe get your part way there, but not to the degree that you'd be in the deep end of the pool by going to Earthling. Jack, you got to give your speech about training versus presenting. So I don't refer to teaching with the slide set as teaching because teaching means you are imparting knowledge to somebody. When we're teaching with slides, I consider that presenting. Maybe some stuff comes in, maybe some stuff didn't. This last weekend, I taught at a, a teacher's conference. I wouldn't call that training. Now, I had a car live, and I had an adapter that could take the touchscreen of that car. It was a Tesla, and broadcast it on a big screen, a big projection screen. And that was really nice. But the amount of retention of what I taught there is not going to come close to the amount of retention I can get if I get somebody in the class. And by that same token, I have to be cognizant of the fact that my students, if they come to my class, that's an expensive bill. First of all, there's paying for the class, but then also the student has to travel. And we have to be mindful that we have to absolutely be able to give them their money's worth and more and have them come out feeling like they underpaid. Sage on the stage. We're doing an episode that's releasing soon with Jim Kokonis, and we talk about that whole learning curve that's going on there. I'm so happy to see 
where you've gone with all of these great ideas, Carolyn, and having Jack on staff and the community college partnership. Jack, you just mentioned that you were out with some teachers. I'm on the advisory board of our local automotive community college. We're not talking about EVs yet, but we got to get curriculum. You got to have it approved. You got to have it passed. You have to teach the uh, instructors. We're in it so thick today that I'm so happy to see that you've got this commitment to the colleges, Carolyn. That's the ultimate multiplier, right? I mean, if you have to have hands-on training to really learn the cars, then you're going to have to have some cars somewhere nearby that you can go and have that laboratory. And that's our community college network. I learned how to fix cars at Washtenaw Community College. Russ Ferguson is now working in console lab. I see him at trade shows. He was at Vision this last year. He taught me how to do drum breaks. Or it's always a really warm embrace when I see him again. Anyway, community colleges is where it's at. And so Jack's fortunately got a, a longstanding history working with those folks and an amazing reputation. And so an opportunity again for folks to sort of understand that Jack's come back and is ready to kind of reinvest in that part of our industry. And it's interesting looking again at how are we going to solve the training problem for our people? How are we going to recruit these folks? How are we going to get them excited? And ultimately that comes through our trades programs. And that's such an important area that this industry has to continue to invest in. Jack, I'll let you take over and share your experience working with community college folks. First of all, if we expose them to our way of teaching, then we have an opportunity to see if they want to adapt whatever aspects of that work for them. And community college instructors have, they have a tough job. They often don't have enough time to really get a lot of training. So every hour needs to count. The other thing too is something that I'm called in to weigh in on often is people will get a certain amount of money with a grant or their budget or Perkins or something like that. The people who are the instructors, they'll say, what should we get? And so what I'll do is I'll point out if I was a community college instructor at that school and I had that amount of money, I would get this type of car, I would get this type of tool. And this is the reason why. And so what I've done is I've been able to fortunately influence some community colleges into doing things like buying multiple cars of one type because they're dealing with larger class sizes. And that way, hands-on can be really hands-on rather than the teacher demonstrating something under a hood and then we go back to class. Yeah, there's a dozen hanging around in a lab. To your point, there's not a whole lot people are going to learn. So the same work of bringing folks into Earthling who are themselves currently active professionals servicing cars, that's also the same process for instructors. And anyone who comes from the technical side of this business has had an amazing experience with a instructor and has also had an experience with a really bad instructor. (laughs) And so there's no surprise that especially for folks that are on the teaching side of house and also have been doing it for a really long time, that it's easy for them to kind of hang back and not necessarily want to push themselves to learn things or can even feel a little scared of those changes, right? They've mastered drum brakes. They've mastered, you know, L1 engine performance. Oh shit, now I have to go back. I myself have to face the unknown around what's coming with Tesla and other EVs and getting them into that Earthling classroom to be able to say, okay, I'm going to figure this out just like I figured out everything else and actually challenge themselves and not hide and then be able to, again, bring that spirit forward to their students in their local community is so important. This is really not just about the individual technicians, but it's about instructors too and how we can and try to help on that side. It's also great because those are folks who 
you know, can spend a little bit more time, a three-day course, potentially getting on a plane, et cetera, to really immerse themselves. And Jack's currently got a five-day course that's certainly currently in like a beta stage right now, specifically geared toward community college folks that we're going to be running pretty heavily over next summer, which is when folks can typically take training because the colleges are closed. So working on that and fortunate to have a lot of his past experience and knowing kind of what does the community college sort of ecosystem need. Carolyn, thank you to you and Jack for uh, making a commitment to your point. What you said earlier, this is going to really have a profound effect on our industry. And I don't want to get up on my soapbox about community colleges, but I do. And I just spoke recently for an hour and a half with some other shop owners. Just last week, we put out a video on it. What was interesting is in this class of a dozen students, we went around the room and, well, I'm not sure I'm going to stay in the industry. And this other company, it's a tool and die maker. They're going to pay me $200,000. I mean, we hear all these stories going on, but we need to make college fun. We need to keep it trending. We need to keep it as current as possible. So thank you for what you're doing to drive that EV story and EV training uh, at the college level. Elon deserves some credit because he made a really cool car, right? He really is the one who lit this whole thing on fire figuratively. And so some people have been looking at cars and sort of like, oh, well, maybe I don't want to be an automotive technician. It was like either you had to be really into like muscle cars, which of course was really hard because then you're doing like engine rebuilding and stuff like that or like paint. And just less, it's like sort of finding the folks that were kind of the automotive nerds of your, like we've had to figure out how to nurture that back into the space because, you know, again, it says check engine. It doesn't mean check engine doesn't mean you. The dashboard gets kind of more and more mysterious. You're basically driving an iPhone. How do you like demystify that make it feel like, wow, there's all this cool tech on this car's way more interesting and inspiring than like, you know, staring at a wall of code. The digital natives that have grown up with nothing but this in their hands are our potential students. And I've always said, white lab code stuff, laptops, phones, we're going to fix your car. And I think we have to get that message out. And the colleges need to stop teaching caliper rebuilding. I think that cars are no longer nuts and bolts. They're more like nuts, bolts, physics, and code. And the Tesla is the one car that I think has young people, that's what it is, rather than just a car. I think we needed a paradigm shift in what a car was to perhaps attract some of those people into this profession, because there's some people who they like to work hands-on and they've got that computer science mindset and they would just go to town in an EV shop. Jack, how do we get a hold of you? How do we sign on the website? Give me the URL. Give me your cell phone number, the address of your house. How do we get a hold of you? Our website is earthlingauto.com earthlingauto.com. My email address is jack.rosebro at earthlingauto.com. And I'll spell Rosebro. That's R-O-S-E, B as in boy, R-O. And that's my personal email. And phone number is 310-383-4800. And that's my cell. Wow, we got everything. Cool. Well, look, there's a lot here I think that will inspire many of shop owners and technicians in the industry to rethink a little bit on their commitment to training and what kind that they're getting and that they got to get up and out if they want the best. Jack, give me a great feedback story from a student. You helped change their life. One of our students, he's a very experienced gentleman. He's probably about 50, very good diagnostician, done a lot of hybrid work. So he's perfectly primed for EVs. With EVs, all he has to, not all that he has to know, but We've got bigger motors, bigger inverters, bigger battery packs, but so much of the the basics will stick with him. He encapsulated working on Teslas better than I ever could, and I just love this. He came to class. It was a two-day class. 
and we built a service count that we dove right into the car. The class had been going for two hours and he was performing some procedure and he stood up and he looked at me very philosophically. He said, everything is different. And I can't agree with that more. And people can take that. It's a very neutral statement. You can take it however way you want it, but everything is different. It really is. One of the biggest uh, effects that we have with our Tesla class is shop owners buy Teslas, to be honest with you. That's such a profound statement that everything is different. He opened his mind by saying that. He opened his perspective by saying that. And the amount of input that he'll take that you can give Jack will completely change this person forever. Once you make that realization that everything is different. We have in our sort of mission statement or our core values, the idea of continuous learning, which is to say that while we're certainly trying to run at this opportunity as fast as we can. We want to be the preeminent e-training source. Mm-hmm. We want to be the preeminent EV training or um, EV repair facility, et cetera. There is still so much to learn. And there's so many other folks in the space, which of course, you know, Carmen have interviewed and are thought leaders in their own right that are also figuring this out. And this really continues to be a, a group effort. So kudos to all the other folks that are also kind of at this frontier and trying to put the pieces together. And it's a big tent. And anyway, we're grateful to be able to be a part of the conversation and certainly be able to take a lot of the learnings and the success that we've had in the past and be able to fold it into something that is really very special and that I think that the aftermarket deeply needs. Room for everyone, to your point, Carolyn. Thank you. This was great. Thank you, Carolyn Cocolette, President and CEO of Earthling Training, Earthling Automotive and Shopware, celebrating 10 years this year. How cool is that? We got to do an episode on that. We got to do something. And then Jack Rosebro, Head of Training at Earthling Automotive. We know all of his vital statistics now. Wow, cool. Hey, Jack, I so enjoyed this. Man, you got another story or three to come on. Please, I'd love to have you on. Just love your perspective and uh, all the great uh, stuff that you're doing for, for Earthling Auto. Check in with us in a year. Everything will probably be different yet again. Here we go. Positive of it. Thank you both for being on. Thank you, Carmen, as always. Thanks, Carmen. Appreciate it. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time.